Welcome, everyone, to the Cosmic Convergence with Big Tim and Dr. Love. It has been a very long time since I did the introduction, Dr. Love. Why are you giving me the opportunity to do that for a change? Uh, because I felt like we are going to spice things up a little bit today. Spicing things, spicing things up is fun. Especially when we're talking about something that we haven't talked about in a while, but it has gotten us inter an interesting amount of views compared to some of the other shows that we've done, or listens, I should say. Viewers. Yes. Listening. Yes. We're talking about WrestleMania 37, which just took place this past weekend in Florida. I actually don't remember what city. Fire me. You're fired. Let me, give me one second here. It was located in... Was it at Tampa? It was... Yes. Tampa, Florida in the Raymond James Stadium. And it was a two-night a two-night pay-per-view. This was a big-time pay-per-view, not just because it's WrestleMania. All WrestleManias are considered to be big-time events. But this was the first live event for WWE since the pandemic started. They had 25,000 total fans in attendance. Of course, socially distanced. They, I'm pretty sure they were wearing masks. I don't know. I, was, I didn't watch the event live. But it's exciting, though. Hopefully that means things are starting to turn a corner and everything that we've been dealing with with the pandemic. Yes, yes. So the WrestleMania, as Dr. Love said, was a two-night affair. It started out with Bobby Lashley facing Drew McIntyre in a singles match for the WWE Championship. And the match was ended by a technical submission. Now, what that means is, um, is how the fish end ended. So, a technical submission is when essentially is when the person who's in the submission uh, doesn't tap out and they essentially just faint. Um, but the match was a really good match from what I what I saw, and um, what had happened was here is uh bobby lashley who's by mvp he you know they had a back and forth going on but in the closing moments of the match mcintyre performed not one not two but three future shock ddts on lashley for a near fall and then as mcintyre Attempted the Claymore. Of course, MVP distracted McIntyre. And like any good heel, Lashley took advantage of said distraction and put McIntyre in what is called the Hurt Lock, which was the submission move that McIntyre did not tap out to. And technically, he lost the match because he wasn't able to respond to the ref 
And that's how Matt Lashley retained his title. Uh, the second match on the card, but before we get into the second match, it was a good match. Um, and however, I wish that match would have been event, but I'm happy with what they had as the main event for this night. The I am second too. match. Yeah. The second match was a called a tag team turmoil match. Now, the tag team turmoil match, what it's what it is, it's when tag teams it's essentially a tag team elimination match. Uh, you know, you have two teams that start, when one is eliminated, a new team comes out to the ring until all teams have competed. The remaining team is obviously then declared the winner. Uh, teams uh, that just goes into uh, about what they do for their entrances. So um, it's like essentially like a tag team royal mini mini tag team royal rumble style type match. Um, but this was um, the women's tag team to determine. The winners of that match would go on to face the Women's Tag Team Championships on night two. The winners of that match was Natalia and Tamina had won the match by eliminating the Riot Squad, Liv Morgan and Ruby Riot. Now, the other tag teams that were a part of that match were... uh, One sec were Lana and Naomi, Billy Kay and Carmella, and Lana and Naomi. You said Lana and Naomi twice. It was Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose. Yes, that's that's who it was. Yes, that's so, okay. Thank you for correcting me. No problem. So, but the match started off with Lana and Naomi, Billy Kay and Carmella. They started the match. Kay and Carmella worked together and eliminated Lana pretty quickly with an assisted pinfall on Lana. So, backtracking what I said earlier, no. I mean, yes, you can eliminate people by going over the rope, but you can also pinfall. And um, Then uh, the Riot Squad came out, and they quickly eliminated Kay and Carmella with a gut buster and stomp the combination on Kay. Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose entered next. Uh, Brooke and Rose were eliminated by Morgan after pinning Brooke with an inside cradle. And, of course, the final team was Natalia and Tamina. In the end, Tamina performed the Superfly Splash on Morgan to win the match, which thusly secured the match for them for night two. So, of course, uh, now that was a good match. Uh, what what did you were you able to see anything from any clips or anything from that match? I was not able to see any clips from that match. Uh, I actually picked. I didn't. We didn't do a prediction show, but Natalia and Tamina were the only team that have been pushed lately for the women's tag team titles. Mm-hmm. So it was either going to be them or the Riot Squad, and of course, the yeah. last two teams were Natalia and Tamina and the Riot Squad. Yeah. Uh, that match lasted 14 minutes and 15 seconds. 
Yeah, one of the things that I'm proud of, moving on to the next matchup that took place, was Cesaro against Seth Rollins. Cesaro finally made it onto the main card of a WrestleMania as a singles Ooh. wrestler. And he impressed. I believe he did the Cesaro swing on Seth Rollins uh, for, I think it was 23 revolutions altogether. Uh-huh. And then he delivered a neutralizer for the win, if I remember right. So, if I remember, that's how it, it ended. So what happened was is, um, of course, you know, you have your back and forth in the beginning, but then Rollins was going for the stomp, but Cesaro then countered with the uh, swing, and after the swing, he locked in the sharpshooter. But... Uh, Rollins was able to counter it. Then Cesaro performed neutralizer on him for a near fall. Uh, then Cesaro attempted to do another neutralizer, which of course then Rollins countered it into the pedigree for a near fall. Um, Cesaro was going to attempt another stomp, which then of course Cesaro caught Rollins mid-air with an uppercut. Um, Cesaro then spun Rollins with the UFO and Cesaro swing before performing a second neutralizer for the match win. Um, what's the UFO? I don't think I've saw the UFO. I have no done. idea to be honest with you. I've never well, heard of the we're UFO. We're going to look that up. But that was a good match from some clips I saw. And it, I really wish I was able to watch it fully, but you know, we're just kind of going off by clips and what we have seen. Um, the fourth match of the night, which was, I'm not too thrilled because, or, or who won, because I think it kind of, um, the team that won really had, had a uh, slight advantage, but that was for the um, Raw or for the WWE Raw champion, Tag Team Champion. That was AJ Styles and Oma. Oh, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Almost. Almost. Versus yep. the New Day of Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods. And AJ Styles and his tag team partner won the tag titles. Uh, AJ Styles' tag team partner, if you don't know, is seven foot tall. He's, he's got definitely a reach and height difference against Kofi and Xavier. Well, let me but, tell you um, why AJ Styles won the Tag Team Championship. Name me the only title AJ Styles had not won in WWE. The Tag Team Titles. Exactly. So, only reason why they won on Sunday. Oh, yeah. So let me go ahead and um, read this description here of what happened with the match. So first and foremost, when the New Day came out, they were introduced by none other than Biggie. So I was I was happy for that. Um, this was I cannot pronounce it. Go ahead and pronounce the guy's name. Almost. Almost. Did I say it right? Yeah. Almost. Yes. This was almost. 
So it's like all a l m o s t, almost. <laughs> His entering debut after having served as Styles' bodyguard for several months. Early in the match, Kingston and Woods neutralized Styles to prevent him from tagging. Almost, he almost tagged. Almost. Ah. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> little little tag joke for you. Styles eventually tagged in almost, who dominated Kingston and Woods. In the end, Styles performed the phenomenal forearm on Woods and almost performed a power bomb on Kingston to pin him with one foot to win the title. This win did make Styles WWE's 32nd Triple Crown champion and 22nd Grand Slam champion as well as the only wrestler to win the Grand Slam in WWE and total non-stop action wrestling, now known as Impact Wrestling. So let that little tidbit of information in. AJ Styles, as much as I love CM Punk, is, in my opinion, after winning this match, the greatest of all time in wrestling. AJ Styles is now, to me, officially the GOAT. I can agree with that, definitely. Yeah. So. So moving on to the fifth match of night one. Braun Strowman against Shane McMahon. I need to go back and watch this. Because this was a fun match. Um, It was a steel cage match between Braun Strowman and Shane McMahon. Why all of a sudden this match came to fruition, I don't know. You're Um, stupid. That's why. Why why am I stupid? Shane McMahon called Braun Strowman stupid. That's why the match came to be. Okay. You're not I, stupid. I, you... Yeah. Are, are we going to have a steel cage match, sir? Because you just called me stupid. Yes. Uh, WWE 2K20 after the show. Oh, no. 2K. Did they? I swear they skipped over 21 because they said something. They about did. Me. Why? <laughs> they wanted to take a year off to fix develop a better match. game. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, let's go into this match here. So, Braun Strowman could, before Braun Strowman could enter the cage, Elias and Jackson Riker attacked Strowman's leg with his chair. So, of course, McMahon was going to end up getting a uh, leg up. <laughs> See what he did there? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Strowman. Uh, McMahon got the steel chair and consistently attacked Strowman with it to, until the match started. McMahon then performed a coast-to-coast on Strowman for a near fall. Elias and Riker tried to interfere once again. However, Strowman knocked them off the cage. McMahon obtained his toolbox and struck Strowman with it. As McMahon was climbing out of the cage, this was my favorite part of the match, and so I want to watch it again. Strowman caught him because... Shane, Shane could have won 
However, Shane decided to stop. He was already on the outside of the cage. He stopped, put his hand through the cage, waved bye-bye to Strowman. Strowman got up so fast, climbed the turnbuckle, grabbed Shane's hand. Shane could not move. Strowman then ripped the cage off the top and the corner and pulled Shane back through the cage from the top of the cage. And then Strowman performed the running power slam to win the match. But to see now, obviously, it's first and foremost, people are going to say wrestling's fake. Whatever. It's it's sports entertainment for a reason. Um, obviously, do I think Strowman could could have ripped the cage off? Yes, I think the man is strong enough to physically rip the cage off. But I still think he also there might have been some help with uh, a little bit of snippers. But that was I think that was my favorite part of that match is to seeing him pull Shane right back through the cage. So what did, what did you think? I I honestly wish the match never happened. I was not a fan of how everything came to be. The segment where Shane McMahon takes a page out of the Nickelodeon playbook from the year 2001 and dumps a bucket of slime on Braun Strowman. I'm sorry, but 2001 called. They wanted their bit back. <laughs> I mean, I agree with you. The match probably probably did not need to happen. I think it was it was a it was one of those matches that was just supposed to be a filler match, and it really had no. Um, I don't want to say it didn't have any significance, but there was no. No real story built up for it. It probably was only thought of within a month. Probably not even a month before WrestleMania. And I feel like it might have been something that came from that. Oh, and one other thing. To Shane McMahon. The village called. They want their idiot back. Oh. Why uh, why would you go to the top of the cage if you know you're going to get thrown off? 51 years old, thrown off the top of the daggone cage. That's, that's about the same age as my dad. Dad is older than that. I'll just say that. Yeah, my, my dad would never climb a cage and do that, but... Then again, though, Shane McMahon is in somewhat good condition. I mean, Vince is probably in better body built than Shane is, but still. Sad, but oddly accurate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. The sixth match of the night, and this is before, um, before the main event. 
And I, this is another match that I just didn't understand and why it was even happening. Music star Bad Bunny and Damian Priest versus The Miz and John Morrison. And of course, Bad Bunny and Damian defeated John Miz and Morrison. So I guess what happened in the match was, um, and I don't even know how to pronounce it, but Bad Bunny and Damian Priest faced Miz and Morrison. Miz dominated Bad Bunny to prevent him from tagging Priest. Uh, does that sound familiar? Like another tag team match that may have happened a while back. Yes. Um, or whoever it was. And Bad Bunny eventually was able to tag in Priest. Bad Bunny and Priest Falcon Arrow performed a Falcon Arrow on Ms. Morrison simultaneously. Outside the ring, Bad Bunny performed a crossbody on Ms. Morrison. Ms. performed a skull-crushing finale on Priest only for Bad Bunny to break the pin and Outside the ring, Bad Bunny performed the Canadian Destroyer on Morrison. In the end, Bad Bunny and Priest performed electric chair drop slash crossbody combination on Miz. And Bad Bunny pinned Miz to win the match. Um, I don't know what the buildup to this match was about. Do you know why this match happened? I really don't. I know when they were building up to it, they were originally building the match as only a singles match between Bad Bunny and The Miz. I did read somewhere that Damian Priest is actually working hurt right now. And yeah, he, he's been in, injured for a while. I don't remember what oh. the injury was, but he's been out for where he hasn't been out, but he might be out for surgery relatively soon. If I remember what I read correctly. Yeah. So I think bad bunny did most of the offense to protect. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, well, I mean with what I was just reading there. Yeah. It's, it sounded like bad bunny did more of the offense and from what he did, from a lot of stuff that he did, it's it sounded like Bad Bunny really actually went through training to um, wrestle because it's not like how some celebrities will just come in and oh punch or do a very simple like move like Canadian uh, was it Canadian Destroyer like. That is, um, let me see what, what kind of move that is. I, sh- I should know what this is off the top of my head, so I'm a little, I'm a little mad that I don't remember what it is. I don't remember but either. A Canadian, a Canadian destroyer is a flip pile driver like maneuver. So you're literally flipping your opponent over and doing a pile driver. A celebrity such as Bad Bunny, who's really, um, you know, he's, he, you know, skinny, can do that move on John Morrison? You know, like I said, he, 
Bad Bunny, I think, really went through physical training to for this match compared to uh, another celebrity who we'll, we'll get to night two about really didn't do much. Um, you know, he's doing... Because Bad Bunny, I'm assuming, did the cross body on that electric chair drop. So that's another very physical move to do. Um, and then what else did Bad Bunny do? You know, the cross body. Right. And the Falcon Arrow. So the main event of night one, and I am so happy that this man, and I'm so happy for the winner because she deserves it. Uh, the main event of night one saw Sasha Banks defending the SmackDown Women's Championship against Bianca Belair. This was also the first time two African-American wrestlers headlined WrestleMania. During the match, Belair attempted the 450 splash on Banks. However, Banks raised her knees to block the maneuver. As Banks applied the bank statement, Belair reached the ropes to avoid the submission. Belair eventually performed the 450 splash on Banks for a near fall. In the closing moments, Belair became more aggressive and whipped Banks with her ponytail before performing the kiss of death on Banks to win the SmackDown. Women's Championship. That was a good match. And um, for it to main event, I'm so happy for those two. Um, not only was has it been, it was a historic match because as, as I spread there, uh, it's the first time two African-American wrestlers headlined WrestleMania, let alone it being female wrestlers. So it was a good match. Uh, again, from some of the closing moments of that match from what I saw is um Montez I, I don't think it's Mon I don't think it's Montez, but it's um Bianca Belair's husband. That's not Montez Ford, is it? Uh, I, I think, think it's, it's the, the other one. Person on I can't think of his name. Hold on, I'm Angelo Dawkins? No, maybe it is Ford. This will have to. Yeah, it's Ford. Out. It's Ford. Ford. Okay, so Ford went out and helped. You know, celebrated with Bianca, and they were coming back through to gorilla position, and he picked her up and carried her in, and it was a. So, and then that is what ended uh, night one of WrestleMania. Moving to night two. And just, just to kind of go back through, um, we're gonna, I'm going to talk about some uh, other on-screen pers personnel that aren't, weren't in matches. So we had our hosts, which were Hulk Hogan and Titus O'Neil. Um, I interject for a second. Yes, you may interject. So, I have a website that I follow, cagesideseeds.com. Uh, Shout uh -huh. out to you guys. Uh, they refer to Titus O'Neil and Hulk Hogan in the following ways. You ready? Okay. Yeah. Pillar of the community, Hulk Hogan, or not 
Hulk Hogan, pillar of the community, Titus O'Neil, and noted racist Hulk Hogan come out for more hosting duties. <laughs> That's one wow. of the sentences that they actually use. Well, I mean... They're not wrong. Um, anyway. So, night one, when they came out for their hosting duties, it was costume and whatnot. But from what I understand, on the second night, Hulk Hogan and Titus O'Neil came out in pirate outfits. Yes. And and the reason why is because they were in Tampa Bay, Tampa, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, I swear last year's WrestleMania was in Tampa as well, so they pretty much got to recycle a lot of uh, a lot of um, material, sort of say. Um, yeah. But I guess the 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 night to um, hype up the crowd moment was more funnier than the first night. So I got, I got, I want to go back through and watch that. Um, and of course we had our commentators, which were Michael Cole for all matches, Corey Graves for all the SmackDown matches, Samoa Joe for the raw matches, Byron Saxon for the raw matches and special guest commentator only for one match, and this happened in this match, in this night, JBL for the Owens and Zayn match. Um, and let me just backtrack one thing because I forgot to mention this. In um, since we're talking about those, the night one had a couple of special guest commentators. Uh, for the steel cage match that happened between Braun and Shane, Jerry Lawler came out. Mm -hmm. And then for the Bad Bunny and Pre Bad Bunny Priest and Miz and Morrison, uh, Booker T came out because um, I think Royal Rumble, Bad Bunny did debuted his new song, and it was about Booker T. So there's that connection with why Booker T was the guest commentator for that. Um, I'm not going to go really into details about like ring announcers and all that because, um, but moving back to night two, um, night two matches we've had, where is it? we had seven matches from night one and seven matches for night two. The first match. For night two, I think really set the bar. Um, I'm not too thrilled with the ending, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the storyline now. Um, so the first match was between Randy Orton versus The Fiend. Um, in the beginning, there was a short video clip, and this was The Fiend's entrance. And it, I loved it because I saw the entrance. I saw a little bit of the match. Um, but the video showed where the Fiend was walking up a tunnel, and it showed the Fiend becoming healed as he was walking, being healed into the original unburnt Fiend. Um, then 
Aloxopolis came out, and there was a. Sorry, I don't know that, but I do have a feeling you might like. It's called freezing fast. You want to try it? No. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> that is staying in. I don't care. That is staying in. <laughs> anyway, uh, so while I'm talking about her, I'm just going to refer to her by her last name. So anyway, there was a giant jack-in-a-box at the end of the, in front of the ring. Bliss came out and turned the handle of the jack-in-the-box at the ringside. And the fiend emerged from the box. He leaped off the box onto Orton, and the match began. Orton was already in the ring when. Um, so throughout the match, what happened was the fiend had applied the mandible claw twice. However, Orton escaped both times. The fiend attempted a sister Abigail, and this, this is what I, I hate how this ending happened because I don't understand why it happened. The build-up to it was amazing. But like I said, it's going to be interesting to see how the story is going to happen. I don't know if you saw videos or anything about this. So what had happened was right as the fiend was attempting Sister Abigail, Pyro erupted from the turnbuckle. And Bliss was on top of the box and distracted the fiend with black liquid oozing down her face. And then this allowed Orton to perform an RKO on the fiend to win the match. To end the feud like that, Really, um, I, I don't, it, the, the crowd was not happy. They booed so badly, um, because essentially Bliss turned on the feet. Right. And the ending of the match, uh, it, Why? You build not you're building you built up the fiend as this immortal being. And then to have him lose at WrestleMania like that. Why? But um we'll talk about the aftermath from the Raw lot from last night's Raw here. Once we get through these matches, because it kind of the the aftermath from that part of the uh, with the with bliss and all that, you know, it we'll talk about that. But it's like it was a good match up until the ending. I side with the crowd on it. It shouldn't have ended like. What are what were your, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I was surprised that. Alexa turned on The Fiend, but what if they're setting up a storyline where they're showing that Alexa is supposed to be stronger than The Fiend? Like, Alexa is The Fiend's life force or something like that, or the other way around. I don't know. 
or all this time, what we've been seeing Alexa as is herself, but a little more crazy, scary. And she's now fully turning into Sister Abigail. Possibly. So, I mean, we'll, like, so we'll talk about the Raw after. Uh, moving on to the next match. This is the, the second match of the night, on uh, night two, was um, Nia Jackson, Shane, I always butcher it. Sheena Baszler. Baszler defeated Natalia and Tamia by technical submission. Uh, hmm. Sound familiar? So, WWE had two matches where the um, the challengers lost by technical submission. So, anyway, going into the match. Oh, excuse me. Uh, Tamina had performed a Samoan drop on Baze for a near fall. Jax did a cross by on Natalia and Tamina, but laid it awkwardly on her knee. Of course, uh, Jax has always had issues with her knees. So that problem. Um, Tamina went for the supervised splash. Jax moved out of the way. In the end, Baszler made the tag, but Natalia did not notice and attempted to apply the sharpshooter submission. Baszler then grabbed a hold of the a hold up and locked Natalia in the. Uh, can you pronounce her submission move? No. I think it's pronounced Kurafuda clutch. And of course, Natalia, it's the Kurafuda clutch. Yeah. Yeah. And Natalia passed out, which allowed Jackson Baszler to retain their titles. Um. So that that. That match actually lasted. Uh, hold on. 14 minutes and 20 seconds. Um, but between the two nights, it was not the shortest match. We'll get to that. Um, so with that, that, those titles didn't change. I think there might have been... More title changes um, on night one than there were on night two. Oh, no. There were a lot of title changes on night two. Oh, yeah. That's right. Um, so the third match of the night, this is another one of those matches like, why? 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 Why is this, make, why is this match happening? It doesn't make sense. Um, but it kind of goes off of their feud, I guess. Um, so that next match, we saw Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens with Logan Paul at ringside for Zayn. I, this is, a, like I said, Zayn and Owens' matches are always decent and it goes back to the this is probably going back to their feud a while back but i don't understand why logan paul was even involved 
Do you? No, I honestly wish Logan Paul would go away. I, I wish uh, yeah. he wasn't anywhere around, honestly. So what had happened in the match was um, almost immediately within the match, Owens uh, performed a pop-up powerbomb on Zayn. And then, of course, Zayn came back with his own maneuver, uh, Brain Buster, on, on the ring apron. Zayn performed the Blue Thunder Bomb on Owens for a near fall. And in the end, Owens performed the Fisherman Suplex on Zayn off the second row. Uh, Zayn got Owens with his hell of a kick, and Zayn attempted another kick, but Owens countered and performed two super kicks. And a stunner on Zane to match. I love Owens for this next part. Following the match, Paul, Logan Paul, attempted to congratulate Owens on his victory, which enraged Zane. Um all this is because of the I I, I guess I kind of can see why why the match happened because recently Zane's whole character is that there's a conspiracy theory going against Zayn in the WWE that could be why Logan Paul because I know Logan Paul for some reason he's likes conspiracy theories I don't know um, I really can't speak about the guy because that's that's what he does I just I don't really like the guy but you know it's what he does um Zane then got into an altercation with Paul, who then shoved him in the ring. Paul then raised Owen's hands in celebration, kind of making it look like Paul was actually out there to support Owens. But <laughs> Owens performed a stunner on Paul, and that was probably the best thing I liked about that match. Yeah, I, I could agree with that. My my personal favorite best part was the ending. Yeah. You know, when it ended. <laughs> yeah. Um, the next match after that was still not the shortest match, but Owens and Zane's match lasted nine minutes twenty seconds. Uh, the next match after that was Sheamus's Sheamus versus Riddle. Uh, Sheamus defeated Riddle for the uh, U.S. Championship. That match lasted ten minutes fifty seconds. Um, the little blurb that I have here about that match really isn't that long. Um, Riddle defended his championship against Sheamus in the end. As Riddle was performing a moonsault, Sheamus caught him in midair with a broke kick, which busted Riddle's mouth open, allowing Sheamus to pin Riddle and win the title. Uh, yeah, reading that little, little like two sentence worth of description of the match. Really doesn't make it seem like that the match really lasted ten minutes. Right. Um, I got a feeling that <laughs> there's a reason why Riddle lost. I don't wanna mention why. I think he let's just say him and R V D could be really good friends. Mm, that's not why. No. No. What? Matt Riddle was never supposed to win the United States Championship. Really? Yes. Please. This, do this actually, 
This actually came out earlier today. Mm-hmm. He only won because Mr. Keith Lee was supposed to win the United States Championship back right. in February. When you remember back at Elimination Chamber when Riddle pinned John Morrison to win the U.S. title? Yeah. Yeah, Keith Lee was supposed to be in that match in place of Morrison. And Keith Lee was supposed to win it. Right. So, essentially, Riddle... Hold on. So, essentially, Riddle was what they call as a transitional champion, just like how Miz was a WWE transitional champion from McIntyre to Lashley. Right. Ah, gotcha. So um, I thought maybe there was other things going on is the reason why he lost it. Now, for the shortest match of both nights, coming in at 6 minutes, 50 seconds. And I don't know why this match was thought of, whose brainchild it was. Rumors has it, it was Vince McMahon, and he finally saw Black Panther and thought this would be a good match. (laughs) Um, Apollo Crews, but Apollo Crews fought Biggie and defeated Biggie for the Intercontinental Championship match in what is called the Nigerian Drum Fight. Uh, let me go ahead and read you to this the little blurb here about this match. Yeah. So Big Big E defeated Intercontinental Champion or defended the Intercontinental Championship against Apollo Crews in the first ever Nigerian drum fight, which had the same rules as a no-holds-barred match, but with African drums surrounding the ring that could also be used as weapons. Big E and Cruz immediately retrieved kendo sticks, and they checked each other with them. In the end, Cruz attempted the frog splash. Big E moved out of the way, sending Cruz through a table. Biggie performed the big ending on Cruz only for a mysterious large man, formerly known as Dabakato, to emerge through the crowd, perform a choke on Big E, allowing Cruz to pin him and win the title. So if you don't remember who Dabakato is, that is um I am not going to pronounce his real name. But Dabakato was that big, tall guy that um, was part of... Abatunde! Yeah. He was uh, part of Shane McMahon's Raw Underground experiment. Yes. Uh, Yeah. So that's who that was. Um, again, don't quite understand the thought process behind the match. 
It was a good match. It was a hell of a match. Don't get me wrong. It was. But uh, it was probably just one of, like, one of those last minute matches. I like I said, um, I think it might have been the brainchild match of Vince McMahon. Like that was that's the joke that's kind of going around from what I've been reading, hearing. Um. So the next match we saw was the Raw Women's Championship match where Asuka defended the championship match against none other than Rhea Ripley. This was a good match as well. And in the end of the match, we saw Asuka performing a DDT on Ripley off the apron onto the ringside floor. And then in the ring, Asuka locked in the Asuka lock, but Ripley escaped, which then allowed Ripley to perform the Riptide on Asuka to win the title. Um, That was a good match, too. And um, what did you think of that match? I was not surprised that Ray Ripley won the title. Uh, it's nice that they're starting to push some new female stars. Uh, oh, yeah. Both Bianca and Ray Ripley. Uh, fun fact, actually, pop quiz. Let's test your memory, Dr. Love. Okay, Big Tim. Who were the final two participants in the 2021 Women's Royal Rumble match. Rhea Ripley and uh, Bianca Belair. Correct. And now both of said women are now champions. Exactly. So that, I think, I, I, that might have been the plan the entire time, but I think that's that's a nice little nod to what happened in the back at the Royal Rumble. Um, now, rumor has it that Ronda's going to be making a return soon. I would love to see Rhea Ripley versus Ronda for the Women's Championship, Raw Women's Championship. Oh, that would be nuts. That would be a great match. Um, and just as Ronda's about to win, do, 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 <laughs> Becky Lynch. Oh, yeah. You, that was horrible. Agreed. Um, but she's going to be making a comeback, too. She's been releasing pictures to, uh, of her comeback. Um, then there, there was another little funny moment here. This is when uh, you know, they were announcing the Hall of Famers and whatnot. Um, Bailey decided to come out while Titus and Hulk were thanking the fans and introducing the legends and whatnot. But she, Bailey came out and said she was tired of being disrespected by the legends. Um, and then the recent, recently WWE Hall of Fame inductees, the Bella Twins, came out and attacked Bailey and sent her rolling down the So I guess Bailey didn't have anything to do. 
No, Bailey was not booked for WrestleMania this year, at least as a wrestler, which was kind of weird. Yeah. And finally, the main event of night two, and I would have to say probably one of the great one of the greatest matches so far that I've seen is I think this has what been the third or fourth WrestleMania in a row where there's been a triple threat match. And that somehow a certain wrestler has weaseled his way into the said matches for championships. Yeah. Albeit it was still a good match, but I would have rather it just been Roman and Edge. But in the main event, we saw Roman Reigns, accompanied by Paul Heyman and Jey Uso, defended the Universal Championship against Edge and Daniel Bryan. Um, I guess during the match, Jay had interfered and hit both Edge and Bryan with the super kick. We kind of predicted this happening, that Jay was going to interfere. Um, Edge hit Jay with the executioner or execution on the steel steps. Oof. Taking Jay out for the majority of the match. Later in the match, Brian hit Edge with the running knee. And then Brian locked in Reigns with the yes lock. But Edge uh, broke up the hold to save the match. Edge then locked Reigns in a cross face. And Brian simultaneously locked Reigns in the yes lock. Both Edge and Ryan broke each other's submissions by headbutting each other. <laughs> and then Edge performed a spear on Reigns, but Brian pulled the referee out of the ring. Uh, this uh, was kind of... I don't understand why this happened. I mean, I kind of do, but I don't. But someone made the joke that, oh, well, uh, let me let me explain this next. Edge then got seal chairs and hit the con chair two on Brian. So you had. Oh, wait, it gets it, it gets better. Um, and of course, Jay then returned, attacked Edge. Edge hit spear on Jay, but Reigns hit Edge with his own spear. Then Reigns performed the con chair two on Edge. So essentially what happened in this match, two wrestlers who have recovered from their own respective Neck career ending, career neck injuries. ending, neck injuries. Both had a maneuver happen to them on their necks. So, why that was booked, I really don't understand. Because any any little tweak like that could um, really destroy your neck again. But then to end the match, Roman laid Edge's body across Brian's and pinned both of them at the same time to retain the title. It was a good match. It really was. But you know what um, What I get from this match overall? I mean, besides being a good match. What's that? Going back to what I said, we have had, we've had two superstars who have recovered from 
life or not only life possibly life ending injuries but career ending injuries to the next recover and come back you know there is another legend who has had a neck injury similar to what these two gentlemen have had you know if those two super if edge and brian go to this one uh legend he could potentially recover and get his neck healed to uh come back and make an in-ring comeback which one uh i can't make i can't make the uh uh, i'm trying to think of how how i can do this you you want to go share uh, a beer on the broken skull oh stone cold yeah I'm gonna have to redo that because I think you covered up it. So let me let me let me say that again. Um, you want to go and share a beer with this man on the Broken Skull Ranch? Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yes. So we'll edit out your little the your maneuver you're moving there, so that way it doesn't pick up on it and we'll edit that part out um anyway the match was a good match um overall i'd have to rate this wrestlemania nine out of ten i mean all the matches were very you know i enjoyed most of them from what i've seen and watched and heard yeah um the only thing i don't like that what happened was and I, I feel like WWE kind of uh, affected this. The only way you could have seen it was if you had purchased Peacock. Right. It was, it was not being played live on the WWE's own network, which I'm starting to think is they're getting they're getting away from that, and I think they're going to shut down the WWE network. And I don't like that. Um, so overall, what would you say your rating of? I would say my rating of WrestleMania this year is at eight and a half. I really wish the event between Strowman and McMahon didn't happen. I noticed that a lot of the heels won WrestleMania, which I know is a, a big deal, but when eight out of your nine champions are heels, with Bianca Belair being the only face champion right now. Well, is Sheamus technically a heel, though? Yes. Oh. Well, you know that could possibly change, depending on who's Oh, yeah. Name. Like I said, any any of those champions, their their status could change depending on who's going to face them for the um, belts. Now, obviously, Bobby Lashley's is not his his status is going to change. So that's kind of kind of go into uh, WrestleMania aftermath. So let's I'm going to kind of go and find it. Kind of talk about what happened on Raw. Okay. 
Um, so Raw went back to St. Petersburg in the Thunderdome. Wait, hold on. That's hold on. Yeah, this is the aftermath. I don't know why it. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So I read that wrong. So yesterday, um, normally Raw would be held at Tropicana Field in St. Petersburg, and it's been there since December 11th of 20. Um, however, the WWE Thunderdome was relocated to Euling Center in Tampa. Following Night's Raw was the first broadcast WD program to produce from the Thunderdome in Euling Center. So um, for WrestleMania, they had, you know, it was live, people were there. But then for Raw, they went back to the Thunderdome, which I don't know why, but. Because they already they were they they proved that with WrestleMania they could they could safely social distance people and what right so maybe now we'll start to see you know Raw and SmackDown slowly starting to go back to people now of course you know who's already starting to have people coming back to their shows and not doing the virtual AEW right they've already had people back but anyway on uh, last night's Raw because it is Tuesday, we saw MVP declare that no one could defeat Bobby Lashley WWE Championship. Typical heel manager response, kind of like what Paul Heyman Lesnar. Of course, Drew McIntyre interrupted and a shot figure. Uh, very predictable, I would say. At Lashley, promising to take Lashley out with a Claymore kick. Uh, during this little back and forth, we've had two people come out, two more people come out to throw their hat. Again, kind of very typical. Two more superstars coming. Uh, Braun Strowman and Randy Orton interrupted and stated that their respective cases to challenge for the title. Orton, of course, defeating the Fiend, putting the feud behind him, allowing him to focus on pursuing the championship, which we probably are due for a Randy Orton. Become champion again. Um, and then Strowman's case was, of course, defeating Shane McMahon in a steel cage match. When that makes a whole lot of sense. Oh, sure, I defeated the son of the CEO. I deserve a championship match. Right. 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 Um, and of course, WWE official Adam Pierce comes out and schedules a triple threat match between McIntyre, Strowman, and Orton, with the winner facing Lashley at uh, for the WWE. This is what they're calling the next pay per view WrestleMania Backlash. So it's no longer Backlash, it's now called WrestleMania Backlash. So it's kind of like we're getting a third night of WrestleMania. And then, of course, you know who won that triple threat match? I don't remember. Take a guess. I'm sorry. I was reading something. I actually have breaking news. Well, take a guess first. Can you repeat it then? <laughs> who won? Who do you think won the triple threat match? When? 
last night. For the oh. not to face Bobby Lashley at WrestleMania. Oh, McIntyre. Yes, you're correct. Now, what is your breaking news, sir? We have a new NXT Cruiserweight Champion. Oh. Kushida just defeated Saito Escobar for the Cruiserweight title. Interesting. Little, little, actually, a little, little backstory about the Cruiserweight title. I think it's the Cruiserweight title. Um, there was, I don't know if it's the Cruiserweight, but there is a title out there. Tech, the technically the the champion that is is technically that championship belt, um, and they may have already done this match, but he's from I think the UK, but because of COVID restrictions and all that, he can't travel. So they had to WWE had to um, create a, and I, I think they did do this match already. They I did. Wait, I could be wrong. But they had to, uh, yeah, so you know about this then. So they had to create a temporary champion in the United States to fill that void because the actual champion couldn't travel. Um, so they eventually had to have an undisputed championship match to determine who was the actual champion once that champion from the UK was able to come back. And I don't think it was this match. No, it wasn't. That was Jordan um, Devlin but, you're talking about. Yes. Um, so, also on the Raw Aftermath show, we saw Rhea Ripley was, was scheduled to defend the title to, in a rematch against Asuka. But, of course, she she just can't. Can't let anybody else be champion. That match ended in a no contest because our dear queen, Charlotte Flair, returned and had to interfere in the match. She attacked Asuka. And prior to the match, Flair, who had been off TV for the past month, made her return the night after, missing her first WrestleMania. Oh. And she first competed at WrestleMania 32 in 2016 and had competed in every event ever since. Charlotte Flair cannot let anybody else be champion. She has to be champion. So I got a feeling either A, at Backlash, it's gonna be, there's going to be a Raw Women's Triple Threat match. I'm, I'm predicting it now. Yep. And then I think Charlotte Flair is going to win that. Any amount of money. I'm calling it right now. So come, agree. come WrestleMania Backlash. If I'm right, you got to buy me some. You got to buy me an ice cream. If I'm wrong, oh. I'll buy you ice cream. Okay, sure. <laughs> and I'm sorry. It's not going to be the one. Uh, it's not going to be a WWE ice cream. CM Punk never got us though. Um, now, I think this, this segment was interesting this next segment and this is gonna this goes back to what happened at wrestlemania with fiend and this was so and I, this was so good because i watched this clip uh during a segment of elect i caught myself <laughs> to look over at my uh little device 
Uh, on the segment of Bliss's Playground, Bliss explained her actions at WrestleMania 7. She said before meeting the Fiend, she had been lost. Bliss said that the Fiend had nurtured her and taught her everything he knew. But then he went away after Randy Orton burned him alive. After months of attempting to bring him back, she realized that she did not need him anymore. Since then, she introduced a new friend, a demonic-looking doll named Lily. Um, I, at first, I thought they were kind of like going down the whole, you know, Lilith route. If you know who Lilith is. Yeah. Um, non, not WWE related, but um, let's just say if you want to know more about what was, you're going to have to do some digging on the internet about Lilith and Adam from the Bible. That's the only religious thing you're going to get from me on this podcast. Um, and of course, Bray Wyatt's cheery normal self also made his return in a Firefly Funhouse segment. He said right. it was good to be back true friends and said he was looking forward to a new start. So this is going to be interesting on what happens with uh, Bliss and The Fiend. Rumor has it is there might be a new Wyatt family starting in the sense um, rumor has it that the fiend that we saw at WrestleMania is not really Bray. It's Bo Dallas, but WWE's never made the connection that they're real life brothers. So why would they start doing it now? Um, honestly, I don't even know what Bo Dallas is. Um, this next, the next segment that was interesting and it was kind of, it really kind of, um, segued from the Miz's, Miz and Morrison. Guy, mm-hmm. I, I got, I love Miz. Um, and this is why I think Miz is, a, is another goat of wrestling. The Miz hosted a segment of Miz TV along with John Morrison. Which also saw the return of Mrs. Wife Maris. So the WWE programming. Having last year. You you good over there? I didn't hear you for ten whole seconds. Yeah, you kind of you you shuffled. Oh, sorry. So, anyway, uh, so I'm going to go back and reread what I was reading. We'll just cut that little bit about bit from where I was talking about how I said. After where it says, I said, Miz was the goat. And then you kind of shuffled and it kind of. Uh, you couldn't hear me, so this will be where we'll pick up. Okay. The Miz hosted a segment of Miz TV along with John Morrison which also saw the return of Mrs. Wife Maurice to WWE programming. She hasn't been seen since December 2019. Besides um, 
you know, Miz and the Miz's show, which that's awesome to watch. Uh, Miz bragged about, and this is this is what I love about Miz. Miz bragged about and claimed that he turned Bad Bunny into a WWE superstar. So of course, Miz and Morrison lost, but Miz is still taking credit for making Bad Bunny a superstar. Uh, that that that's why I love Miz. Um, of course, Damian Priest interrupted and praised Bad Bunny, and then challenged Miz and Morrison to a handicap match. Priest lost the match after Miz pinned him with a roll up and used the ropes as leverage. While Maurice also, so it's has Damian Priest been on Raw before? No, he just debuted earlier this year. So. Well, because of his uh, injuries. Because I felt like he was still on NXT, so he got called up to the main roster. Um, And then I guess to the last segment that from Raw or from WrestleMania that we saw that was on Raw, we saw uh, the Women's Tag Team Championship, not champions, Nia and Shayna were rewatching and laughing at Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose's entrance at WrestleMania 7 where Rose had apparently slipped and fell, and Jackson Baz- Baszler were confronted by Brooks, Brooke and Rose. Jackson handled the situation herself while Baszler departed, resulting in Rose slapping Jack, and Brooke assisted Rose in shoving her to the ground. Uh, the two teams later had a non-title match. During the match, Jack slipped on the ring apron twice, and Brooke, and Brooke and Rose laughed at her. Brooke and I think somebody spelled something. It's, isn't it supposed to be Brooks? Oh no, it is. No, Brooke. it's Brooke. I'm just weird. Brooke. Yeah, it's it's weird reading it, saying it as Brooke. Uh, Brooke and Rose took a countout loss to not deal with Jax's anger. So yeah, that that was the end of. Raw. We still have the SmackDown Aftermath uh, show coming up this Friday. Yeah. Um, so I'll be interested to see what happens then. Um, the next pay per view, as stated, is called WrestleMania Backlash. And so far, um, the only match listed is uh, Bobby Lashley and Matt Drew McIntyre. For the championship, and then, and then the next pay per view after that is called NXT UK Takeover Dublin, and then we'll have Money in the Bank. So, yeah, we've had a uh, pretty long, almost two hour long podcast, sir. Yeah. I think. I could be wrong because we did spend a little time supposed to record at our normal time. Um I'm, yeah, this was a good good WrestleMania. Like I said, and the aftermath aftermath was pretty good. Um, I'm looking like I said, I'm looking forward to seeing what's happening with the fiends. I'm really invested in that storyline and seeing what comes up next with Roman and um What's going to happen there? Um, I guess something I read is 
uh, Brock might come back and challenge Roman for the championship, which would then turn Paul against Roman. So that would be interesting. Um, what are your final thoughts? Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with the WWE title as time goes on. I'm curious as to who's going to beat Lashley. I'm more... Yeah. I just like Drew McIntyre, that's all. <laughs> yeah. So, um, what do you have in our next podcast? What? What? It cut out. Uh, what do you have in store for our next podcast? I have no idea yet. Why are you asking? <laughs> oh, I, I thought maybe you had already had something lined up that we wanted to share with listeners, but if not... Um... Not quite yet. We could always do a little 10-minute tidbit letting listeners know later this week if we have things get lined up. Well, I do know, and, and this is for our listeners too, like I said, if you want to check out our Facebook channel, our, our Facebook page. I, again, we've said this before, and we're really bad about not follow through, but we really need to start doing better on this. Um, check out our Facebook page, uh, the Cosmic Conversion Show. We're gonna ha- start doing uh, updates on the show. We're gonna probably, hopefully, start releasing topics of our next show. Hopefully, at least forty-eight hours in advance. Um, if there's a topic, again, topic you want us to discuss, reach out to us. We'll put it on the list or on our list of topics we want to discuss. If you want to come on the show, when we talk about that topic, reach out to us. We're more than happy to have guests on our show. Just like last, the last episode, uh, as we were talking about our passions, our friend Laura came on and we were so happy she joined us. and. You know, we're always looking forward to having guests on our show. Right. So, um, is there anything else you want to talk to the, the listeners about, sir? Not at this point. All right. Well, this is Dr. Love with Big Tim, and we're going to sign off on this edition of the Cosmic Conversion Show.